Hello and welcome to the Mighty 90s Movie and TV Podcast. I'm Dom. And I'm Simon. And tonight's movie for debate is... Super Mario Brothers! Welcome to the Mighty 90s Movie and TV Podcast, where it's always 10.30 at night, so it's time to grab the snacks from the sweet cupboard, move on upstairs and settle in as tonight's movie for debate is Super Mario Brothers. Now Simon, before the rewatch, what do you remember about Super Mario Brothers? Well Dom, I remember specifically watching this at the cinema with you and some of our other friends from primary school for a birthday party. So it was 93 it came out, wasn't it? So we would have been six for context. Seven. Six. Six. (laughs) Keeping that in. So we we were six um, and it must have come out in the summer, I would have imagined, right? Did it come out in the summer for like a summer blockbuster type situation? It was out in May in America, so it probably came to us a little bit later, so June, July, yeah. Right, so our birthday has been in July. I remember going to the cinema for it, and it was the classic birthday party of cinema followed by McDonald's and Happy Meal getting like the toys that go with the film. Like, I'm not sure if McDonald's were doing like, you know, Super Mario Brothers toys to go with it. And we'll find out more when you get to the trivia, probably, because from what I know, I think it was a flop, right? But we'll we'll get to that. But I remember being disappointed as a child, and the reason being was it didn't resemble Super Mario Brothers to me. Like, in terms of the video game, which I loved, as did everybody, right? It didn't seem in alignment with what I knew of the universe. Like these characters weren't recognizable to me, like as in Mario and Luigi, I got, I get it. The rest, it was just very strange. And it was kind of in this era of 90s movies where this existed, where they're like kids movies, where the target audience was kids, but it was done in this adult, dark way. Like, and it works in some instances and doesn't in others. So, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990, perfect. It's done, it's, it resembles the world that we know from the cartoon and the comics, etc. But it's done with this adult kind of theme and dark undertones. But, and it hits. But this, I think, unfortunately, misses. But it does hit in a lot of nostalgic ways, in ways that... I think only work if you watched it when it originally came out. Like it doesn't work. If we were to watch this today for the first time ever, it would be very confusing. But I think because I've got memories of it of from childhood, etc., then it has some nostalgic like Value. yeah, like glow to it. Yeah. Um so I don't like hate it and uh I I have fond memories of it. But it is a bizarre movie. <laughs> what, what do you remember about it? Uh, I remembered basically along the similar lines as yourself is that we had gone to see it. I think we enjoyed it at the time, but I think we enjoyed kind of playing around with it afterwards. Sort of just going, oh, that was cool and this bit was good and that was great. And kind of that 
see everything through rose tinted glasses childlike moment where you thought you know the film could have been absolutely dire um but we really enjoyed it because there was you know one aspect of it that we actually really liked and that's the bit that we always focused on um uh and there there were some elements of you know remembering what had happened um throughout it but i i did have to watch it a couple of times to get back into the into the flow and go oh yeah that happens and there is a reason that you, you've kind of hit the nail on the head of the whole adult themed kids film there is a reason for that okay we'll get into that okay so it's good that's good analysis well it kind do you know where it kind of works in a strange way but it is also a film that's renowned for not being very good like critically but I enjoyed it because I loved it as a kid is the Flintstones movie with John Goodman and Rick Moranis that is kind of universally slated pun intended nice um but it holds special weight to me because I that came out at the same sort of time so we were like six seven when it came out and I loved it and I remember getting the toys and the happy meals and all that sort of stuff and going to watch it with my dad and, and loving that film. But that is a film where... Is it because you, you thought your dad was friend Fred Flintstone? <laughs> You're associated to every character of everything we've ever done. <laughs> sure, why not? So, that means you're Barney Rubble. I'll take that. <laughs> but the... Uh, he... <laughs> not John Goodman. But the, the Flintstones movie, you see it, and aesthetically, that is the cartoon in in human form in real life form like you can see the symmetry like oh that looks like that and they've made it all the sets look the same well with mario it's like okay we don't know much about the story of mario but this world and it doesn't look like what we know from the video game and i think they spend so much time in the film trying to remind us what is going on in the film like the, the story they they rehashed what the actual storyline is like about 10 different times mm. just to remind us as an audience what the hell is happening. <laughs> um, and I think that's kind of a sign of poor storytelling that they're having to, you know, really push it out to the audience in that way. Yeah. And given the, the people who wrote it, and we'll get to that, um, the films that they've sort of gone on and done, um, you'd be surprised. As in a high caliber film. Yeah. Mean? Well, I say high caliber, but like they've done some, um, like really good films, art post Mario Brothers that okay. I think we probably both love. Okay. One in particular that I will talk about. So shall we get into a little bit more about Super Mario Brothers, including a synopsis of the film that we've selected from IMDb. Yes, excellent. Okay, so Super Mario Brothers is a 1993 fantasy adventure that was released on May the 28th, obviously 1993, uh, and I have picked an IMDb synopsis from an An Anthony Pereira. So, Get it, Anthony. Thank you, Anthony. Oh, it's Anthony. Great. Well, I, I say Anthony, might be Anthony. Is there a H in there? There is. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, thank you very much for your synopsis. <laughs> I'm going to read through it now. So, this is the one that I thought was probably the best on there. Okay. <laughs> this is the story of two hard-working Italian plumber brothers named Mario Mario and Luigi Mario, who befriend a young paleontologist named Daisy. 
she uncovers a massive find of mysterious new dinosaur bones. While exploring the tunnels where dinosaur fossils lay, saboteurs hired by the Mario Brothers rival businessman, Anthony Scapelli, or Anthony, uh, to break some underground pipes. Meanwhile, in a hidden world called Dinohattan, King Cooper's land is running out of water and going through problems, so he sends Spike and Iggy to kidnap Daisy. Now the Super Mario Brothers find themselves the only hope to save the Earth from invasion uh, and challenge a diabolical Lizard King, and they must battle giant reptilian Goombas, outwit misfit thugs, and undermine sinister scheme by taking over the world. I'd say that's pretty apt. There we go. So... Uh, like my reading was all over the place, the film was all over the place. <laughs> Your reading was fine. <laughs> the, yes. We'll go a little bit bit more into it. So the film was written by uh, Parker Bennett, Terry, I, I think it's Runte, because there's an accent on the E, and Ed Solomon. Now, uh, I sort of alluded to other films that they had written that we like. So uh, they had written the Bill and Ted films, Oh, okay. So they're involved in that. So you can kind of see the the effects and the, the way it's written kind of maps. It kind of works, doesn't it? Yeah. You can see a bit of symmetry there. But also, they wrote Men in Black. Oh. 1997 Greatest. Wow. Probably needs to go be, be a pick at some point. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, and you kind of think, oh, that's, you know, it's a really, really good film. So I don't think they were the original writers, though. I think they were... They were original writers of the film and then it got handed to loads of other people you know like we've discussed with other films like Sister Act for example it just got moulded into a different film as as time went on and different people then became involved I think that's kind of what's happened here well do you know interestingly just because I mentioned it already but the Flintstones movie has over 30 people with writing credits on it wow. which is uh, which they attribute to being an issue you know that it doesn't have a sort of consistent plot points going through because so many people put their hands in the pot, you know, that it's all meddled. Um, and maybe that's partly of what's happened here then. If they've had so many different people having stabs at it, there's nothing left. They killed it. Yeah, it's just <laughs> become a mesh of random stuff. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. So Super Mario Brothers was directed by a husband and wife combo. Okay. Which is an interesting <laughs> interesting thing. So it's, I mentioned that intentionally. Okay. Uh, so they were Ricky Morton and Annabelle Jankel, or Yankel. Who, they're both from England, or they're both British-born, um, and did loads of like music videos and stuff like that at the time. So they were quite big at uh, music video production. Uh, I think Annabelle Yankel has a brother, or one of her relatives is, is in a band, Ian Dury and the Blockheads, um, from back in the day. Um, the film was produced by Hollywood Pictures, as well as three other production companies being involved in the film. Um, and the film was distributed by Buena Vista Pictures, which we all know are part of Disney, who of own the world. Yeah. So, technically a Disney film. Just yeah. saying. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, the running time of the film is 104 minutes, so not actually that long for a film, which, given how we both kind of felt about it on the rewatches um it's probably not a bad thing <laughs> it no. wasn't that long yeah but uh, as a kid you know what a great 104 minutes just all sorts of things happening isn't it yeah i think as a kid there's so much on the screen like visually fungus all kinds of things bombs like it is inviting in that way 
So yeah, and, and you know, you because you're talking about the production companies, when the opening credits come in and it's doing all of that bit, you get the original music that you did at the beginning of the podcast. And when that's coming in, it's like, ah, oh, so nostalgic. And then it comes in with like the pixelated sort of graphics and everything. And then that's it for the rest of the film. There's hardly anything that resembles the video game. Yeah. Apart from when Mario and Luigi dress up in the like the plumber outfits where they're in the green and the red. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, jumping ahead. That's okay. Would you like to hazard a guess at the budget for the movie? Oh, we haven't done this in such a long time. <laughs> I think that they probably went into this thinking this was going to be a summer blockbuster type movie and was going to make a lot of money. So I reckon they probably put... Mm, there's quite a lot of practical effects. I'm going to say... 30 million? That's not a terrible guess. Oh, but it's not. It means it's not a good guess either, though. But it's not right. Okay. So it's between 42 and 48 million dollars okay. were spent on the film. And okay. they were massively over budget. Okay. And they just continued to make the film. Okay. They were horrendously, horrendously over budget. Oh, God. Did, would... they, did they make the budget back? So wait, would... What so maybe their budget was meant to be like thirty million or something? More than likely, given what Dennis Hopper has said about it. Oh god! I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> uh, do you have? Would you like to hazard a guess at what they took? So box office worldwide. I reckon it still made. I, I know it's. I feel like it's considered like a flop, but I reckon it still made a good amount of money because it had a built-in market for it before it gets there. So I'm going to say. 100 million you think they spent 40 million on it and made 100 million no you'd probably have a sequel if they'd made that much okay (laughs) 60 it made 35 million oh god it made a massive loss that's crazy of like 13 million dollars ah yeah yeah if you'd written that you're thinking shit we need to write men in black quick <laughs> <laughs> little giants only you know was under budget or sorry didn't make its budget back but it was by like quarter of a million wasn't it yeah but like 13 million or so that that's a lot wow just big money wow i think that is that our biggest loss that we've covered oh yeah for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you remember... Celtic Pride made a loss, but was that... No, it didn't make a loss. Celtic Pride just didn't make a lot of money. It made... Oh, it was almost even, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like a $10 million spend and it was like level. Yeah, maybe you're right. I think it I think it made $9 because you were like, it didn't even pay for the catering. But I don't think that... Uh, I don't think it made a loss. I think it was maybe, yeah, broke even. Uh, but I rem- do you remember when we covered Fight Club? Fight Club was considered a flop, but it still made a hundred million. Yeah, which is crazy. But this is a real flop. Yeah, this is certified dead. Yeah, like they're lucky to have careers after that, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, okay, how, we all make mistakes, but wow. Yeah, that's hard hitting, that isn't it? Yes, but I'll, I'll get onto that a little bit more after we've done the 
guess of the ratings. Okay. Because we haven't done this for a long time either. No. So uh, for those that listen to our Mighty 90s podcast before, um, this is the first Mighty 90s film we've done in quite couple, a few weeks now. Months. Yeah, yeah, maybe two months. Um, because we've we've got another podcast that we're running at the same time and schedules and stuff don't always match up. So it's been quite difficult to squeeze in. So we're quite happy to be back doing a 90s film. And we're back on a routine now. So there will be a Mighty 90s episode every two Tuesdays. Yes. Every other Tuesday. We just had to settle in to our other podcast, The Ravens, a One Tree Hill podcast. If you like One Tree Hill, or if you don't like One Tree Hill, come listen. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're, we're back on it. So IMDb's rating of Super Mario Brothers, what are you thinking? Oh, I'm thinking between... For IMDb, I was saying this to my wife the other day. I think an average film, if you see something on IMDb that's like 6.2 to 6.4, that's kind of like your middle of the road film. Well, you'd think it'd be a five, but it's not. That's kind of your, anything below a six, it starts getting murky. So I reckon it's going to sit between like a four and a five. But I reckon there's enough people. So we put a... It's a long-winded way to say this, but we put a post out on our Instagram about this, uh, but Super Mario Brothers, and it was polarizing in the comments. Like some people loving it, other people hating it. So I reckon there's enough die-hard fans there to maybe make it like a five point three. You were closer when you said between four and five. Oh god, like a four point two. It's four point one. It's funny that you say that because um, about the whole ratings and like if if a film's like below a six, it means it's getting to a point of being a bit drab and it's a bit rubbish. Hot trash. My girlfriend will always check out a rating of a film on IMDb before she watches it. Yeah. If it's below a seven, she won't watch it. Ooh. <laughs> no, no, that's too. That's too much. <laughs> There's some good films I've watched recently that have been like six point eight. 6.6 but they've been really good mm. tell her to reconsider so t- ask her to start at 6.4 6.4 as the cut off okay she's we'll see. i'll some, see what she says she's missing some gems <laughs> maybe you should send the recommendations and i'll say look this is a 6.4 on imdb but give it a watch simon recommends it okay Re- let's do this ready or not is a 6.8 but it's my favorite film i've seen this year Okay, we'll give it a go. Let's move into some of the trivia about Super Mario Brothers. Yes. So, um, Bob Hoskins didn't know that the film he was making was based on a video game until his son asked him what he was working on. And he said, oh, like something called the Mario Brothers. And his son got really excited and said, yes, you have to do this. It's going to be great. Um, So we can blame his son for that one. I love that. Bob Hoskins gives... Gives a really good performance in this film, as much as it's craziness. I, I think he is solid in this film. So, no, I, I do. I, I love think... Bob Hoskins. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's my favorite. He he has all my favorite moments. I think I think he is doing a great job in a not great film. So that's as good as you can do, really. Uh, absolutely, legend. So in two thousand and seven, or in his two thousand and seven autobiography, John. Leguizamo also a legend states actor. that he and Bob Hoskin hated working on the film um, so much that they would frequently get drunk to make it through the entire experience 
Um, and both men apparently knew that the movie would turn out so bad. Um, so they just simply tried to make the best of it between them. And they thought that not being sober was the way to do that. <laughs> That's good. Oh, I also like that at least it sounds like they were friends and they got along, you know, like in real life. And I think that adds to it because that is the whole point of the film, isn't it? Is that they're brothers and whatever. So even even though it's not a great film, at least their friendship was real from it, you know? Yeah, definitely. And uh, he also stated that he felt one of the biggest reasons the movie turned out the way it did was because the directors wanted more of an adult film. Right. While the studio wanted it to be more of a children's film, which is exactly what you were talking about earlier. Yeah, because that's, that's obviously the target market, right? If they'd put it to... Again, I keep relating it to the Flintstones, but it's because the Flintstones is... It's taking from a cartoon, yes, but putting it into live action and video games live action. But surely that's where the Flintstones probably got it right. Is they target it to kids. Apart from in the Flintstones, there is a point where there's a there's a mob trying to like hang Fred Flintstone. But hopefully Flintstones will get put on our wheel at some point. But because <laughs> there's a lot to talk about there. But I think that's probably partly why it flopped so hard because they've gone up there. It's a confu- if you watch a trailer for it, I would imagine it's confusing as to who they're pitching it to. Like, it's not sort of uh, polished enough uh, to look like a kid's film. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's too... It's like, it's like you're going to see a Batman movie, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's just like, although it's based on a comic and a cartoon, we know that it's a dark comic mm. and that it's, it's set, you know, in this dystopian world that is dark and evil and um has a lot of pain and punishment involved but they've tried to do that theme in a kids film and it's not worked yeah yeah well also the teenage mutant ninja turtles movie that was also such a success because you know that was an independent movie i don't know if it's still the case but for a long time like for years it held the record as being the most financially successful independent movie of all time. Wow. Because it cost so little to make, but made so much money. So again... Good fact. You know, they, they're not... Like this, they're throwing money at the wall. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So this was the first um, video game to be turned into a movie. This is the OG. So what sort of what other examples would have come from that? Like as in, obviously we've got more recent ones, but from the nineties. I don't think there are any from the nineties. If you look at films, like you've got like an Assassin's Creed film now, Sonic Hitman, the Hedgehog, Sonic. There's there's all of those now, but this is the this mm. is the original one, the first one. I'm sure there are others from the nineties, but yeah, I can't so, think of any right now. I'm sure yeah. there's a really obvious one we're not thinking of. Yeah, we'll look it up. Or not. Or not. <laughs> not if it's anything like this film. <laughs> um, Dennis Hopper described the film's production, and this is his words, it was a nightmare. Very honestly, that movie, it was a husband and wife directing team who were both control freaks and wouldn't talk when they made a decision. Anyway, I supposed to go down there. I was supposed to go down there for five weeks, and I was there for 17. It was so over budget. Wow. They probably spent most of their money paying Dennis Hopper. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> Dennis Hopper. It, the caliber of the cast is really high. Yes. Like, <laughs> it is crazy. <laughs> they got a great cast and just, yeah. I mean, Dennis Hopper just saying it right there. The, the, That's what I alluded to before as well, is the husband and wife team, they would make decisions and they wouldn't discuss it with each other. And then the, the other one would then come in and be like, why are you doing that? Or what's happening here? That's not right. And they'd change things. And they, it was just, apparently it was a really bad balance between them. And there was no like synergy and it didn't work. Uh, and it created so much tension and friction, not just amongst them, but like the actors. And they found it really difficult. Hence why um, Bob Hoskins and uh, John Leguizamo just drank. <laughs> they thought it just going to be easier if we just drink and do what they tell us to do because we can't do anything wrong then. Yeah. Imagine being told that you've got a contract to do this film for five weeks and you ended up being there for 17. I mean... Yeah. One, it would be a nightmare because you wouldn't want to be there and you potentially miss out on other projects. But two, mm. look at the money you're going to make from it. Mm. Even if the film is a flop, you've just rolling in it now. Mm. Crazy. Mm. Yeah, that's insane. And just to think that they must have just absolutely not paid any attention to like timings. Right, we need to we need to get this shot done by this time and move on to that shot and have this position ready and have that location ready and they just didn't do that well that must be the the most key part of being a director right or being in production is having everything organized and to a schedule and yeah so yeah so do do we know what they did they go on to anything uh i don't i didn't really bother looking at art to be honest i just found out that they directed like music videos right, and stuff right. like that and then they got into into doing films and they did Marriott brothers um, but you can't imagine they have a massive filmography after that. Let's leave it there. Yeah, <laughs> we'll move on from there. Um, I've got a few more bits about what the actors have said, a little bit more trivia, and then we'll get into the, the char- our character evaluations. Let's do it. So um, Dennis Hopper explained why he did the film. He said, I made a picture called Super Mario Brothers, and my six-year-old son at the time, who's now 18, had said, Dad... I think you're probably a pretty good actor, but why did you play that terrible guy, King Cooper, in Super Mario Brothers? And he said, well, Henry, uh, I did that so that you could have shoes. <laughs> and his six-year-old son said, Dad, I don't need shoes that badly. Oh, God. <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, on, like, to, to contrast that, though, Bob Hoskins' son's absolutely, son sorry, absolutely loves the film. And um, as I told Bob Hoskins and stuff, obviously, before he died um, and growing up, that he loved the film and he really, really enjoyed it. So he must have been a big fan That's of the game cool. as well. So. Yeah. A bit of contrast there. Yeah. Nice. Because it definitely has its fans. It has its fans. It has I its was fans. one of them, like, as a kid. Yeah. I, I was one of them. I get it. And like you said, from the Instagram, we've had people reaching out and saying, love the film, it's great, and other people... Probably not so nice about it. Yes. <laughs> um, in a 2011 interview with The Guardian, Bob Hoskins described the film's production. Um, and he said, it was a fucking nightmare. The whole experience was a nightmare. It was a husband and wife team directing whose arrogance had been mistaken for talent. Wow. After so many weeks, their own agent told them to get the fuck off set. Fucking nightmare, fucking idiots. It's a lot of swearing. I love it. I'm sorry for that. We have an explicit rating. (laughs) Wow. That's, yeah. Arrogance for talent. I love that. 
That's great. <laughs> so a little bit more trivia. Uh, Tom Hanks was considered for the role of Luigi. Oh, that would have been weird. But um, he was turned down because T- Turner and Hooch, 1989, was, was a failure. And Joe Vo- versus the Volcano in 1990 was also a failure. It led the studio to believe that Hanks was no longer a box office draw. That's insane. Crazy! That's crazy. He's like the biggest actor of our time. Yeah. He literally is. He must be. Yeah, one of. Has to be. Well, because I guess what came after that is his real monster hits, like Forrest Gump, Saving Private Ryan. Apollo 13. Oh, Apollo 13. That's a smash. That's got to go in there, surely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Love that film. Insane. So Michael Keaton, Kevin Costner and Arnold Schwarzenegger all turned down the role of Cooper. (laughs) Probably quite rightly. Do you know, Arnie could have worked well as a Cooper. 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 I am Cooper. (laughs) Michael Keaton would have been a strange choice. I really like Michael Keaton. Watched Spotlight recently. Have you seen that? No. It's a really good film. Is it above a seven? That that, that was like Oscar. I mean, I won Oscars, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, the writers were really big fans of the Ghostbusters movie, so 1984. Another example where it works. And they tried to write the film like that. And because of that, they asked Harold Ramis mm. to direct the film, mm-hmm. who declined. And probably quite rightly. Yeah, well, he he directed Michael Keaton in Multiplicity, which is one of my favourite 90s movies that we definitely need to cover also. I'm pretty sure he directed the Ghostbusters films, because he wrote them as well. He also directed... Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day, yeah. How did you know I was going to say that? Because I'm living the same day over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a great film. That's another 90s film that has to go on our wheel. We'll yep. explain the wheel later. Yes, we'll talk about but, um, the wheel. That's a great film. They actually fell out in the making of that film. Yes. Big time. I think they I think they didn't make up before how mm. Ramis passed away, which they is didn't. sad. They didn't. That's sad. Very sad. I feel bad for Bill Murray like for not having the chance to. Yeah. But never mind. Yeah. Never mind. We'll get back to the film we should be covering, yes. which is Super Mario Brothers. Um, so Bob Hoskins broke his finger on set, you know, when they're messing about with a van. John oh, yeah. uh, Luzamo, like, broke his finger, like, must have slammed the hood on his hand or something Ooh. like that. And it broke Bob Hoskins' set. And they said that the, the language that came out of Bob Hoskins' end was just, like, ridiculous. He just, like, went crazy. I could imagine. Was, like, big time swearing. <laughs> Scapelli. <laughs> and uh, John, uh, who played Luigi, also broke his leg wow. whilst in the film. He was hit by a car. Oh. Uh, not whilst filming, but he was so drunk whilst filming that he walked out into a road and got hit by a car. <laughs> so, <laughs> broke his leg. And apparently in the film, I didn't notice it because I only looked at the tri- trivia after I'd seen it. You can see him in a cast. Oh. You can see the cast on his leg. So he just filmed in a cast. Still drunk. Just off his face, yeah. Absolutely hammered. That's so funny. Um, Okay, one more and then we'll move on into the the character bit, okay? Yep. So initially, Bob Hoskins didn't like the script and didn't want to do another children's film. Oh, because this is after Hook, is it? This is after Hook. So he said, I'd done Roger Rabbit, I'd done Hook... I didn't want to become like Dick Van Dyke, is basically what he says. And yeah. Hoskins wondered how he would prepare for the role, saying, I'm the right shape, 
I got a moustache. I worked as a plumber's apprentice for about three weeks and set a plumber's boots on fire with a blowtorch. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the producers just kept sending Hoskins new versions of the script. And eventually he gave in and was like, yeah, okay, fine, I'll do the film. Nice. That's how he got involved. (laughs) I love that. Have you ever seen the Bob Hoskins movie Unleashed with him and uh, Jet Li? He basically just... He's got Jet Li, like, with a collar. When he takes the collar off, Jet Li kills everyone in the room. Yeah, 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 I've seen it, yeah. I remember really loving that film when that came out. I don't know. The Long Good Friday. If you've never seen it, watch it. Okay. Even if, like... There's Bob just, Hoskins movie. There's just one scene where Bob Hoskins just absolutely lays into someone. I'll say it for being American. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. he just kind of just absolutely goes for them. But his whole speech is quality. And just him him in that film is great. It's a bit like gangstery and uh, they're trying to hide a body and stuff like that. It's brilliant. His, his, uh, his voice is so good. Like I love his delivery of everything. And yeah. Yeah, I'll check that out. Cool. Okay, so... That's it for the trivia. That's character journey up. Let's get through this character journey. So let's, let's... get through it. <laughs> you know, what I'm like, okay, yeah. Let's let's smash no. on with the character journey. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Who you start with, Yoshi? Let's, let's one up. Let's one up. Yeah. <laughs> Who are we starting with? We're we going start, with the big hitters. We're going to start with Mario. Okay, MVP. Absolutely. No it question. To, it has to be. No question about it. He's the title character. Yeah. Well, they're both are. Well, how many Marios are there? Three. Mario Mario, Luigi Mario. Indeed. It's the only time where they're referred to as the Mario Brothers. Is when the police officer says... Yeah. Mario Brothers. Well, they're, they're called by their... Their name's called Brothers. Okay, so... Where are we starting then? So start at the beginning. Yeah. So they're plumbers. Luigi's into UFOs and stuff, strange conspiracy theories and things. He, yeah, he's watching programs about um, alternate realities, and um, he's watching. He's, there's someone on the TV that's been to a, a different reality, isn't there? Another dimension. Yeah. That's kind of what he's watching, and he he's really into that and believes it. And they, they're they going across town to go do a job. It's set up that they're plumbers. Mario is the main plumber. Luigi's like the apprentice. And no leak's too small. No leak too small, yeah. And Luigi has his intuitions of the fastest route to get there. They're from Brooklyn, New York. The Italian-American kind of accent. And uh, they get there. But who are they beat by to the job? Scapelli. <laughs> Scapelli. I love the way he says Scapelli. Scapelli. Uh, the truck breaks down, introduced to Daisy. Daisy is uh, being stalked by Spike and Rusty, is it? Iggy. Iggy. Yeah. Are you okay over there? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's happening. You just got into this like. Ah, oh, let's just get through this. <laughs> Fuck's sake! <laughs> just what? So we got we've got Mario. 
Let's yeah. talk about let's talk. We've got Mario and Luigi. Let's let's do them as a couple because okay. they are brothers. Yeah, and it's all about them. They're the central characters. Yeah, they've no jobs too small. They they they're not well off. Yeah, they don't have a great deal of money. They live above a shop. Yeah, um, their van doesn't work and it breaks down. Mario goes, okay, I'm going to go into the shop. I need you to get onto our get onto the phone, check out our answer phone messages, yeah. and see if we've got any other work coming in. So we assume by this point they finished the job that they've been sent out to do. Well, well they were beat to it by Scapelli's. Oh, so okay. They didn't even do it. Oh, sorry, so they're beating yeah. to it by. So let's see if we've got any other work. Mario disappears to go and get some water. Evian. Evian. He goes and gets his Evian. Um, at the same time that Luigi's on the phone, Daisy appears. So Daisy's played by Samantha Mathis. Terrible actress. Wow. We went straight in there with a the terrible actress. Wow. Absolutely straight in there. Samantha Mathis, terrible actress. Uh, uh, what a review. I just, we are very positive on this podcast. Um, and perhaps she, I mean, she wasn't dealt a great hand, you could say, with this dialogue that she gets. I mean, one of her lines is, at dinner later i was abandoned just out of nowhere um you know it's she hasn't got a lot to work with but what she does have to work with she doesn't put great work into it and it can be a little bit distracting because i don't think she has any chemistry with luigi's character Ugh, said it straight it. out there, straight out there. Though, right? um i have a friend uh, that loves this film just because um, they think she's hot. It's the only reason. Sure. I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> but did, what did you think of her performance? And be honest. Uh, to be honest, like, as a collective, they weren't great, were they? You mean her it, and Luigi, or do you mean the whole cast? The whole cast. Except for, I mean, Mario and Luigi, yeah, they, they did okay. Yeah. But you, uh, you, just, you just get a sense of they're not really that interested. <laughs> but she, but <laughs> but do you think her specifically? Do you think it I was didn't know a... any anything particularly bad about her? I, I just took it. But the thing is, I'm looking at the I suppose the production as a whole, and it's all particularly not great. Yeah. Um, but we try and remain super positive, don't we? Yes. And it's difficult <laughs> when the film isn't isn't. A great one you know we're not talking about um the fight clubs and the same private rhymes and the, the the big hitters we're talking about something that was a hollywood flop and mm. you know even watching it and re-watch it so watched it twice most recently the same as you i was just thinking oh, i need to just get through this i had a whole daniel benningfield moment i gotta get through this <laughs> I gotta get... nice um so anyway as uh, the the bit i really like in this moment is um, Luigi's reaction to her when she appears and he's on the phone because there's someone screaming on, on their answer phone going we need you down here the flood's like ridiculous it's not stopping we need her and he just hands the phone over and he's just in absolute awe and amazement at um, how beautiful she is mm-hmm. it's a nice moment that is a nice moment all of that stuff there is nice and Mario sort of playing puppeteer to getting him to ask her out and asking her the dinner and they give her a ride and all of that stuff. Yeah. It's all good. I, I have no I have no zero problem with it. <laughs> I, I don't think the problems really arise until we get to Dino Hatton. Yeah. I think that's where the problems begin. 
So we didn't even cover the um, Dan Castellaneta. Castellaneta plays Homer Simpson. Oh yeah, he does the like narration. Yes, he's doing the narrating yeah, right at yeah, the beginning yeah. when it's like oh we think it's pixelated graphics from the game and then it becomes Manhattan sixty five million years ago. I, I, Brooklyn, sorry, 65 million years ago. And I don't mind that as a, as a storyline in terms of... Because if we... What what do we know? Take the film out of it. What do we know about the Mario and the Super Mario games is that there's a Mushroom Kingdom. We've got two plumbers that are brothers. Cooper, Bowser, whatever. And a princess that they've got to save, right? And, and the, some dinosaurs and things. And a network of tunnels. Right, so in terms of there being as parallel universe that explains the dinosaurs over here, so on and so forth, I think that's fine. But I think it could have been done, I thought it could be like Mario and Luigi are working as plumbers, so on and so forth. Maybe their boss is a guy called Coop, Mr. Cooper or something. So And all this sort of, everything's set out. There's someone called Toad, there's someone called this, someone called Yoshi, someone called that. And then they, they somehow fall through a pipe or something into a parallel universe where everything is exactly the same, but these people are, you know, how they are in a video game. And it's a mushroom kingdom and it's kind of a bit more like they step into the video game world rather than them stepping into a city that's... like. It, do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's more like... Why has no one made that? Well... That sounds much better. It seems more like it would be more relatable to the game. It's kind of like an Alice in Wonderland moment. Exactly. Yeah. But instead of going into, like, a dirty city, they go into, like, the video game. The game version. It, yeah. Yeah. But in live action. But a bit more, you know, yeah. I like it. Hollywood, if you're listening. What? The idea came from Simon first. It's 27 years too late. <laughs> <laughs> There's no save in this film. No. Unfortunately. So, okay, so that's just two twos. Let's just go through. So some of it is they have dinner. We meet uh, Mario's girlfriend. Nice dinner. Luigi's walking her home. They go and talk, go to look at the paleontology site. But who's been there? Scapelli. <laughs> and what have they been doing, Dom? Sabotage. <laughs> so who do they need to go and get? What? Because <laughs> it's Luigi and Daisy. They have to go and get someone to help. Mario. And what does Mario say? I can't remember. He says, Scapelli. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, strap your belt on, kid. We're going in. And then they do. They go in. But two twos. Douchebag one and douchebag two. Spike and... Iggy. Knock out Mario and Luigi, take Daisy and go through the wall to go to the other parallel universe. And the whole point of this is that Daisy was the day in the beginning, Daisy's mother has taken her in egg form to the nuns. Which I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking maybe the nuns, if this had actually happened, would see this giant egg. It would hatch a child, and they'd be like, "It's Satan, kill it!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, End God. of film. Dispose. <laughs> Put it in the skit with the others. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
That's a crazy twist on Sister Act as well, right? <laughs> obviously, period. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, Put it in the skip. <laughs> With the others, apparently. <laughs> um, so, Daisy hatched. <laughs> yeah. Whilst in the care of the nuns. Yeah, but, but before that, her mum took her there, and then Cooper was in the shadows. She died... She's got the meat part of a meteorite round her neck. That 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 is the meteorite that split the two dimensions. If that gets put back into the meteor, then the dimensions will merge back into one. And Cooper, who basically is Donald Trump in this film, basically, yeah, uh, could then rule the world now being one place. So that's why he's sent Iggy and Spike to go and get the princess and uh, retrieve her though he now they've got like several people like women that are not her like innocent women the wrong person it's because Iggy and Spike are so stupid they keep kidnapping the wrong person right yeah that's kind of the point of them isn't it yeah and are they meant to be characters from Mario like I wasn't sure are they meant to be because the Goombas that come in later they're the little things that you jump on right that like sort of run towards you they're like sort of brown and have like sort of a mushroom head right i assume so i think that's what so that's why it always confused me is why they're so tall because they're actually in the game they're really small like much smaller than mario and luigi because they're meant to be dinosaurs right I might be getting this wrong as well. I'm worried I'm going to get a lot of like. He's going to cut all of I'm going to get a lot of hate <laughs> from people on this one. Um, okay, so yeah, then what? So they take her through. Luigi and Mario jump through the the wall. Um, they end up in Dino Hatton. Yeah, and then there's a little bit of tomfoolery. What's going on? This, that, and the other. So they don't they don't know where they are. They think they're in. Manhattan and they go oh we haven't been for a couple of weeks Jesus has changed a lot in a couple of weeks Um, and they I think they quickly realise that they're not they're not in Kansas anymore yeah I quite like that that it's Manhattan Dino Hatton that's that's clever I get it but I don't think it's set up enough like in terms of if say if in the beginning Mario and Luigi take out this in Manhattan. Say they'd gone somewhere, and you'd like in Back to the Future, right? In the beginning of Back to the Future, you see the clock tower, you see all of this, all of Hill Valley, and then he goes back to 1955, and then you see the same set but all the 1955 version. So you can see all of the differences. But in this, we have only seen Dino Hatton. We haven't seen what it's related to. Yeah, okay, we know it's meant to be Times Square. It's meant to be this. Meant to be that. For the sake of the movie, it's like, well, there's no comparison, so you can't really make those those jokes and puns and things because it's meaningless to someone that has no frame of reference of what Manhattan and Times Square looks like. Yeah. Wow. There's some there's some moments in this where you're just going in so deep and like I don't mean to. Just I absolutely like... slamming it. I don't mean to. <laughs> I don't mean to. I'm just trying to give my honest opinion because i think it could have been done so, so successfully yeah and it's got such a good cast yeah minus whoever played daisy but the... 
Samantha Mathis. Yes, no, she's fine. So do we do we want to change it up a little bit then? Because we're kind of just talking about the plot now rather than the character journey. Do we do we want to talk about each actor, their character, and how, how we do you want to do it? Yeah, I'm not meaning to do it that way. I, th- I think we've kind of explained enough that we neither of us particularly like the film so we'll get to our ratings at the end okay but we need to let's let's talk through each character okay but in terms of what we thought about them was there any development okay and and we'll go from there so mario and luigi probably the best two in the film Mm -hmm. acted it pretty well Mm -hmm. um the only time where we probably would have related to them as kids in terms of knowing the characters was when they finally get their suits yep. and they're in the classic red and blue and green and blue. Yeah. Um, the only thing that was would have been great is if they'd done like an M and an L on the hat. Kind yeah. of thing. But I probably didn't need it, but... There, I don't think there was enough of that going through. Like, I think uh, they should have made... For kids, they could have made it more obvious from the beginning and just, yeah, okay... Just plaster Luigi in green and plaster Mario in red. Like they had little subtle moments where Mario's like uh, collar was red and things like that. But I think they could have just gone a bit further with that. There was only subtle moments of like hints to the game. So the little bomb was a, a hint to the game. Yeah. Um, there was a moment where the devolution gun mm-hmm. that is used was um, re like spray painted the Super Nintendo light gun accessory. Uh, so there was cool. there was that link. So that's that's what that was. And there's other moments where Daisy's pressing panels where her father's like chamber is, oh, where where that's yeah. noises from the game. Okay, that's kind of like the only points where it comes up where there's actual game related yeah. effects. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I so- I heard somewhere that Nintendo got so nervous about the response of this film that they vowed to not make films again of their games um then that might have changed since but i remember it really put them off wow yeah hasn't stopped sega no (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay so what do you so mario and luigi mario he doesn't really have to arc, does he? He's solid all the way through. He doesn't particularly have to learn anything because he's kind of developed as it is. He's kind of there more as like the mentor for Luigi. Yeah, and Luigi explains that he's been a mother, a father, a brother, an uncle, uh, you know, a best friend to him his whole life. Yeah. Growing up, he's looked after him. You know, he's more of a dad than a brother really, isn't he? Yeah, and that's really nice. It's a nice moment. And Luigi does develop in the film slightly. He goes from this apprentice plumber to you know saving the day really yeah so although although it's mario that fights cooper and beats cooper it's luigi that kind of recognizes that the it, luigi's kind of the one with open eyes isn't he he understands different realities and just seems to go well, the fungus is trying to help us and he, he knows <laughs> what's going on <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, and also, that's something that Mario develops as well. Actually, is he learns to listen to Luigi's intuition because the whole thing is Luigi's like, let's do this. We've got to just go with this, and I feel this. And Mario's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like, we can't do that. We've got to do the logical thing. By the end of the film, he's saying, yeah, we've got to go with what 
you know, let's listen to your instincts. Luigi's a lot more impulsive. Yes. And then, yeah. Um, they, try, they try to convince one another to be more like each other. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that develops as the film goes on. They so. work really well as a combo. And as a combo of actors, they, they work pretty well together. It's good to, to see that they, they got on. Yeah. They have good natural chemistry. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's good. Let's talk about Daisy. Daisy's an egg at the beginning. Yeah. Becomes a little baby. Yeah. And then becomes a paleontologist. Yeah. Um, and there's a hint that she always knows that there's something not right. Um, and that she doesn't quite fit and doesn't have her place in that world. Which is, is which is explained to her by Lena, played by Fiona Shaw. Is that... Um... Cooper's wife. Oh, yeah. Mistress or whatever she is. There's something else we need to just touch on. This film is very uh, horny. What? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of, like, you know, mud baths, um, Cooper's sort of long tongue. There, There's uh, Bertha in her tight leather red outfit with a lot of cleavage and shots of the the rock nestled in between her breast assists. And, like, you know, a lot of stuff that on rewatches, you know, when... You know, Simon's growing and developing, and you know, it was like six year old Simon feeling a tingle. No, no, I'm saying like later. Now, Simon feeling a tingle. Oh, it still works. (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah, and and I think it, it starts with Bertha and it ends with Cooper's wife, I guess. Wow, okay. And there's a lot of stuff in the club. Women with the, uh, you know, sort of suspenders and things. Actual strippers. Right. So they hired actual strippers for that moment. And I noticed. That's why. <laughs> they got the moves. <laughs> I think that there's a. Yeah, there's a there's an odd kind of erotic um, undertones to it. Like I'm being serious. Like not even joking. Just- Maybe too many adult themes for a kids' film. Yeah, it's completely, it's completely bizarre. A bit unnecessary. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um. So back to Daisy. Yeah. I. Yes. I. I don't think she. I don't think she puts in a very good performance. Okay. I'm just being honest. Not, I'm not a fan. being critical. It might be because she didn't have a lot to work with. It might be that she just wasn't feeling it. Um, and she could be a great actress in other things. Funny enough, there's no there's no comment on what she thought about the film. So she's just basically a central character, but had no. I couldn't find any write up or anything like that about what she thought and felt about the film. So maybe she just sort of washed her hands a bit mm. and thought at the time, well, it's ridiculous. I'll just do what I told because I'm being paid. Mm. At the end of the day, it's a job, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Dennis Hopper then. Yeah. As uh, it says Bowser here, but King Cooper. What did you start? What did you think? I thought this is the bad guy from Speed. Pop quiz, asshole. And he's just he's Dennis Hopper is just like the ultimate bad guy. Mm-hmm. He plays bad very well, mm-hmm. and then we get to this film where he's trying to play bad well in a bad film. Mm-hmm. So he he's trying to play that that kind of funny, trying to be charismatic evil villain. And I can kind of see that from him, but it's not coming. It's not conveying well enough. What, he, uh, probably because of the production and the way it's put together. 
he has to spend so much of his time regurgitating dialogue to remind the audience what the what's going on he spent there's so many times he's like so i just need to get the rock because then i can merge the dimensions and i can rule the world next scene i just need to get my hands on that rock to merge the dimension like he has to keep going over it and over it so there's he doesn't even get that much time to uh dive deeper into the character imagine doing that for 17 weeks Ish. <laughs> Ish. he does all right he gives an okay performance in terms of like his acting i don't think it's a bad performance but i don't think he had a lot to work with yeah like the bit when he is pretending to be the lawyer um i thought it was all was was a pretty good scene yeah and he, he calls Coop, cooper a clown like a clown a liar and a scoundrel kind of thing yeah he, he um I oh, know it's it's Mario that calls him the clown, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But Coop, Cooper clown. Cooper's then like, oh, he's a he's a liar, a scoundrel, and he, blah 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 blah. And then it turns out that it's him, and he's like, well, I told you, I'm a liar and a scoundrel. And, um, I thought, yeah, so that's a good moment. I think he he's he's a, like the other two, like Mario and Luigi, is a good actor mm. with not a good script. Yeah, exactly. Trying to make the best of a bad situation. Exactly. You know, this is this is Nintendo are trying to make a film about one of the biggest games ever made, one of the biggest game franchises ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, even at the time, it was huge. Mm. You know, if you consider Game Boys are coming out and stuff like that, and you'd already had the the Nairs and the, the Snares, um, this is massive. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, why wouldn't you jump on it? And Dennis Hopper and Bob Hoskins are two that have said they knew nothing about the game, but. It was family members and kids that have gone. No, this is this is huge, and they've gone. Yeah, okay, fine, I'll do it. And I, it just feels like regret, doesn't it? The whole way through, it just feels like regret. But he, he he plays bad really well. He plays villains really well. But well, he does speed after this. Yeah, and that's to me anyway. Is that's what I know him as. Mm. You know, doesn't taint it in my in my mind. Uh, who else do we need to talk about? We can talk about Toad. I feel sorry for Toad. Toad gets made into a Goomba. He's the best Goomba. And gets set on fire at one point. <laughs> yeah, but gets put out by Daisy. Yeah. So Toad is played by Mojo Nixon. And uh, sings that little song at the beginning, like uh, when you first get to Dino Hatton. Yeah. He's singing the song about how awful Cooper, Cooper is. Yeah. Which is kind of like exactly what you said now. This is like trump isn't it mm-hmm. anyone who says anything bad about trump it's all fake news and they're dealt with you know just says, shut them down and get rid of them it says vote cooper everywhere as well it says but he um are we to, left to assume that uh daisy goes back with her dad who's now the king who's not the fungus anymore and uses the evolution gun to make all the goombas back to normal so maybe we can assume that toad gets made back to human form because why and why wouldn't they do that yeah or it, or whatever dino form he is right the dark well the yeah i suppose the evolution of human that he's got to yeah put him back yeah okay Be- because um lance henriksen is plays the king so daisy's father yeah and he's massive he's an alien yeah. Sorry, he's not an alien. He's an Aliens. Yeah. As Bishop. Yeah. Great film. My dad's favourite film of all time, Aliens. Great film. 
absolutely great. I didn't know that. It's good. It's picked a good film. Um, but he's only in it very briefly. Well, literally right at the end. So mm-hmm. yeah, hopefully he wasn't there for seventeen weeks doing that. <laughs> Just waiting. hanging upside down. <laughs> and Fisher Stevens is uh, is it Spike? Iggy. Iggy. Yeah, and he's in he's in a lot of things. He's in Lost. That's what I know him from. But it, he's in loads of things. It's Richard Edson that's played Spike. Um, they both they both have quite an interesting journey because they've been de-evolved. Um, to be Cooper's minions, minions, yeah, like workers. But they're actually um, loyal to to the king and loyal to Daisy. Yeah. Once then... once they are re-evolved, because oh. Cooper thinks, "Oh, I'll make them smarter," and they'll actually do things properly. But then they start to work out that actually the logical path is to fall back into following the king and making it a better place to live, rather than following Cooper, who's destroying the land. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> They, then, they probably have the biggest character journey yeah, out of all of them, the to be fair. Yeah, yeah, they do, don't they? Self-discovery. And then we've got then we've got Yoshi, poor little sort of philosopher raptor thing that gets stabbed at one point. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was like, uh, there's something like, I'm trying to remember what it is. There's a fact about the amount of cabling that's inside that puppet animatronic and it's like 200 meters or something stupid like that of cable it might not be that much but there's there's a lot of cabling just inside to be able to move it and um it took 34 people to animate to wow like puppeteers it was pretty good like in a pretty good effect yeah yeah. when because jurassic park had come out Mm -hmm. and then they they were like trying to get ideas of how to do it and then there were people who had done the effects on Jurassic Park that were coming and looking at this going, well, maybe for the next one we need to do something like this. It's, you know, it looks pretty good. And they were, they were quite impressed by it. Well, speaking of other films, they finished the film on a cliffhanger as if, like like the end of Back to the Future, to be like, you've got to come back with me, with Daisy coming back with the gun saying, you need to come back to Dino Hatton or whatever, obviously in hopes that there was going to be a sequel what did you think of that ending in terms of them sort of hoping for a sequel? I think they were obviously hoping for the film to be more successful than it was. Being on the back of it being a Nintendo game. And um, the cast that's in it is is amazing. You know, you, Bob Hoskins um, on his own, who you, you think would be enough to... Like sell a film. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, it, it just didn't work. It wasn't... It wasn't the hit that it it was mapped out to be, and you know more than likely from what they're saying, it's because of the direction and the directors that were involved. So, you know, I'm not surprised that they've not gone on to do much else in terms of Hollywood films, but they've probably gone on to do a lot of other projects. They did a lot of like music work and stuff like that. So, you know, well well done for them, I think. That's admirable, but it's, it, for whatever reason, it's just not worked on this film, and it's complicated. But is there anything else you want to discuss before we get to our judgments? Any particular scenes or anything? Sorry, our judgments. <laughs> no, not really. Who was your favourite performer? Um, like, who gave the best performance for you? For me, it's Bob Hoskins. 
just consistent all the way through. And he's just that great, wise, kind of angry plumber. <laughs> yeah. Doing that, his Italian-American thing. Yeah, I completely agree. No more needs to be said. He, he's great. Uh, John Leguizamo was was very good as well. And he yeah. actually made a comment about all these Italian-Americans playing Latinos for so many years. It was great to have the opportunity to be a Latino playing an Italian-American. <laughs> yeah, they, they were both great. Um, but yeah, I think Bob Hoskins is kind of like the anchor of the film. So yeah, I agree with that. Uh, who was your favourite character? It's got to be Mario. Yeah, doubling up. Love Mario. It's Capelli. <laughs> Same for you? Yeah. Yeah. Favourite background performer? This is a new... This is a segment we do on our Ravens podcast. It's favourite just extra person in the background that has one line or less. Or does anyone for an honourable mention? Uh, the old granny that mugs them. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. At the beginning. I like that. Uh, I'll say maybe the police officer that's like, how many Marios is it? You know, the Mario, Mario, Mario Luigi. Sergeant Simon. Really? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Serendipity. <laughs> okay. And then finally, subjectively, objectively, what do you rate this? Uh, so from a so from a subjective point of view, I'm remembering going to see it with you. And remembering liking it as a kid, but only because it was linked to Mario, it's probably a five. And objectively? It's a three. I'm not even going to explain it. It's just a three, isn't it? No explanation required. Yeah. What about you? Um, subjectively, I'd probably give it like a six, because I, I have good memories of it. And oh, it's good. nostalgic and it fits in this bracket of films that would not exist now. So it kind of, you know, you wouldn't get a film like this made today in that it's dark and a kid's film, but really it's like an adult film and uh, with all these sexual undertones. <laughs> but objectively, I would agree with your three. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, that's our lowest one, isn't it? Ever. Yeah. Well, let us know, listeners, what you would rate it. So you can reach us at our email, which is the mighty nineties podcast at gmail.com. That's nineties nine zero S. So the mighty nineties podcast at gmail.com or on our Instagram, the mighty nineties and let us know. This is a good chance to talk about our Patreon Dom. So we have a Patreon now and you can get additional content and you can put movies on our wheel which will decide what movie we cover next so our patrons decide what movies we cover going forward and here is some more information about that you just became a raven hello and welcome to the mighty 90s podcast network our network is made up of two podcasts the mighty 90s movie and tv podcast a look back at 90s movies we grew up with and the ravens a one tree hill podcast covering each individual episode of the show all of our podcast episodes are free on all podcast platforms but if you would like to support us on our podcast journey then we have free patreon tiers with bonus content and ways to connect with us that we'd love to share with you all of our Patreon tiers include all of our podcasts. The first tier, 
Junior Varsity. You will receive one week early access on all of our podcast episodes, a patron shout out on the podcast, access to our monthly One Tree Hill bonus episode, exclusive access to non-90s movies that we will cover, and a 90s movie title of your choice on the wheel. Your movie title choice will be put on this wheel and at the end of each Mighty 90s episode we will spin the wheel and that will decide what movie we will cover next. The second tier, Varsity. All of the perks from Junior Varsity and you get to add a non-90s movie from any year to the wheel. And the final tier, Hall of Fame. If there is anyone out there that loves our work this much then we want to speak with you. So you get all of the previous perks and we will invite you to co-host an episode of the podcast with us. We appreciate any level of support from an Instagram follow to any of our Patreon tiers. We love doing this and we appreciate you all. Be gentle with us. And wear gloves. So please check out our our Patreon, check out mighty90s.com. Leave us a message, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Um, Talk to us about this film, talk to us about the films we've covered before. Tell us what 90s films you love because we, we want to hear it. What we used to do is pick a film for each other to deep dive into. We've changed the format slightly because we have the new wheel and we want our patrons to be as involved as possible. However, we are also joining forces on our next podcast with the It Takes Three network. We've done podcasts before where we talked about One Tree Hill, which is linked to our other podcast. And the film that we're going to cover next is... Clueless! So, Clueless. Classic there. I've never seen it. I can't believe you've never seen it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've seen it quite a few times. Good film. I'm glad they picked it. So, yeah, if you if you want to pick a film for us to do, check out our Patreon and you can find out how. Excellent. So, thank you everyone for your support. Hope this hasn't ruffled too many feathers about Mario. And, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. And be gentle with us. And wear gloves. Show me the honey! Steamboat Lily. Doot, doot. Don't want to raise your kids. I don't even like kids. His name is Robert Paulson. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. I'm gonna show you God does exist. I am invincible! Go, baby, go! Once again! I see pride! Junior! I see power! I see a badass mother who won't take no crap off of nobody! That's right! right. There's not a man today! Who could take me away from my God? Wait, you get looking. God. It's like looking in a mirror, only not. And I don't think they give him for surfing the internet. <laughs> go, baby, go! And when everyone says it can't be done, ducks fly together. Rocky loves Emily. Rocky loves Emily. Rocky loves Emily. What's going on? Well, welcome back to Family and Band the Man. What's wrong with your brother? Just a terminal case with the stupids whenever they're around Jennifer. Rocky loves Jennifer. Rocky, Rocky loves Jennifer. Mario! Scabelli's blood in the sight! We need your help. Scabelli. Strap your bow on, kid. We're going in.